only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. This legend is based on a single description from one of the greatest philosophers of all time, but some archaeologists and researchers are convinced that the story is more than just imagination. Thousands of expeditions, countless maps, hundreds of books, and now some of the most advanced technology may point to the actual location of this lost city. Has this ancient mystery finally been solved? This week's episode is The Lost City of Atlantis. Up bump in the night, your heart fills with dread. Probably a murderer who wants you dead. It could be a ghost, a demon, or worse. Perhaps you're the victim of a witch's curse. It's hopeless, you're doomed. You'd call a priest if you could. You'd rather just listen to who? Sinisterhood. I'm gonna kill you. Did you grow up with this myth? Did you hear about this? I know you had some... Uh... Stuff in your house was like Bermuda Triangle-y mystery type of stuff. Do y'all ever talk about this growing up? I don't remember if we talked about it, but I certainly have known about it and have heard about it. Isn't it also a Disney movie? Oh, Isn't yeah. it presented in some kind of a Disney movie? There's Disney movies. There's also just like really bad B-horror movies from like the 60s and 70s that are like, the destruction of Atlantis. <laughs> and it's the beards are fake and glued on. Yeah. Oh, well, I certainly will be renting that ASAP. But yeah, I, I have always heard about this. I've never really taken such a deep dive no pun intended, into it until we started researching for this. And I'll be honest, I had a bit of an existential crisis last (laughs) night, at which point, at some point, I just yelled out to Tommy from my laptop, what is anything ever anyways? How how does anybody even know anything? And he was like, what are you talking about? I'm like, how do we know any of this? Like, we don't, it's just writings. We don't know. Like, and he's like, yeah. And I go, what are any of us? He's like, I don't know, man. And Great just question. <laughs> walked out of the room because what can you say to that? But yeah, just when you really stop and think, 360 BC, that's just like a number that we say. We don't ever really think what that means. But in the matter of time, that is, it's inconceivable for my tiny brain to understand how long things have been around, all of the different ancient civilizations that have come before us and what those people went through. And it's truly mind-blowing to where I, I, if I sit with it too long, I start to to panic. Right? You're just, I realized that. I was like, okay, well, Plato wrote this down. First of all, I'm just now learning a lot of these people are real people. For sure thought a lot of them were book characters. I knew Plato was real. Was he? I was like, was he? History.com. Yeah, he was real. Absolutely. He I was just, an actual philosopher. I was like, was he like a concept in a book? Because some people are like, was he really just Socrates' a scribe? Then I t- learned there's a lot of people out there throwing shade at Plato. But thinking about how far back that was, and then how much thousands of years mm-hmm. further back he's even talking about, and the fact that 
the old the oldest ancient writings that we have from uh, like Egypt and ancient Sumer is like five thousand years old, and there were people just vibing in North America thirty five thousand years old, and in New Zealand like fifty thousand. I mean, there's just been in seventy thousand years before that in a cave in South Africa, and so it's like just because we don't have it written down doesn't mean it didn't happen. And then I'm like, <laughs> oh God, we've we've lost so much. Like it wasn't written. And then, well, we didn't have the written language or even yeah. language or any of that until, you know, I don't, I read it, but honestly, there's been so many numbers thrown at me. I've kind of, yeah, they've kind of all blurred together. But you even imagine before even people. Yeah, even before that. And then let's, I'm going to bring it up again, but some shit's in the ocean. We don't know what's <laughs> down there. And that's where this could be. And I saw a video of a freaking giant squid's egg sack, and I haven't been able to stop thinking about it. Some <laughs> no. diver upon it, just in the ocean. It's just floating around out there. There's millions of tiny squids in this huge, it looks like one of those balloons you buy at the state fair that has the lights in it, and then they immediately pop. No. Speaking from personal experience, this happens. <laughs> and then every light is just a squid, though. Yeah, 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 yeah. But the mama squid, where was she? So Where big somewhere to pop out an egg that big. So big somewhere. It's so big. Yeah. My beautiful, brilliant daughter. Sometimes she just comes in to tell me stuff and I'm like, what are you talking about right now? Are she you referring in- to Sinisterhood Junior Researcher Ella Wallace-Brown? Yes, yes, yes. Okay, just I am. Sure. Yeah, soon to be CEO, I'm yes, sure. Yeah, she's going to b- bypass us all. <laughs> She asked me what the episode was about this week, and I was explaining it to her. And then she said, oh, like underwater volcanoes that used to be on the earth, but now they're in the ocean. I was like, yeah, exactly like that. And she said, did you know at the bottom of those that there are heat vents at the bottom of the ocean? And I said, oh, I did know like vents at the bottom of the volcano where magma and heat and everything comes out and she goes yes did you know that they discovered a new type of species down there called the yeti crab that eats from the heat vents and i said what is this true and she goes yeah they and i i googled it i have fact checked she is correct she's a junior researcher she's not gonna lie to you yeah yeah thank you shout out to uh wild Kratz for educating my children on things that I don't know anything about. Not at all. And she's like, yeah, they're the Yeti crabs and they hadn't been discussed. And then we look them up and it's this, it's not just a new species. It's a new genus that lives what? down, yes, in the ocean and they don't have eyes and they're white because sun doesn't reach them and their little claws are covered in like what looks like white feathers, like little fur. Okay. She said, that's why they're called Yetis because they look furry like Yetis. And I said, well, that that makes a lot of sense. And then she said, do you know that there are such things as colossal squids? And I was like, yeah, that's wild, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And so I pulled up some videos of squids and we found one of a man off the coast of Japan that caught actual footage of one because it's very rare because they swim so deep that, they're normally not caught for whatever reason. This squid was closer to the surface where he could film it. It was about eight feet, but upon reading further, the largest one that's been discovered and they usually wash up on the beach because they're dead mm-hmm. was 43 feet long. And I'm like, that's just swimming around out there, laying these egg sacks wherever it wants. Cause it, the world is literally it's the ocean. <laughs> the world is its ocean. The world Whoa. is its oyster. It's giant oyster. 
And um, yeah, then I said, she goes, yeah, colossal squids, they, they like to eat other fish and meat. And I said, do they ever eat like plankton and seaweed and stuff? And she goes, yeah. And they really like coral. And I said, they eat coral? And she goes, Crunchy. there's a certain type of bacteria that grows in the coral. So they're like a vegetable for the squids. It's like a, it's like the a. The kids are all right. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I was okay. Say, it sounds like they got a little, a nice crudite spread down there. Of just I guess so. <laughs> crunchy. Yes. Is the video from January of 2023, like I just found a, it said giant squid off the coast of Japan. And I'm going to be dreaming about that forever. It's huge. Yeah. They're, huge. they're a vibe. They're, they're, <laughs> they do not look of this world and probably because they aren't. No, it's of a whole nother world, which is mm -hmm. beneath the waves. <laughs> beneath the waves lies a whole other world that we can't even begin to understand or fully grasp or explore. Trying to, which but means there could be a whole city laying down there at the bottom. Inhabited? Hmm? Question mark? Or abandoned? Unknown. Literally. <laughs> more than one. We're talking about one today. There could be a whole other you know, whole the whole other New York down there for all we know. A full underwater nation just yeah. living and thriving. And they're like, do you want to go to the surface? It's basically we're describing the Little Mermaid is what we're describing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We live up here and occasionally go down there for vacation and funsies. They live down there and occasionally come up here to explore and just see what's going on. See, it all works out. I really did. My envision of Atlantis is I thought people thought this was an ongoing living city. I think there are some people that do think that, but there's just as passionate people who are like, it was a real city and it just sunk. Mm -hmm. And those people are almost harder to convince that they're not right than the ones who think it's ongoing. Down there. <laughs> well, we will get into all of those theories. The dog with a bone. <laughs> and uh, also a lot of history that I find very interesting. I didn't know a lot of this because I'll be honest, Greek mythology and all that, Whoop, right over my head. Did I read the Odyssey, the Iliad? No, I didn't read any of those in high school. Was I supposed to? Certainly did not, though. So I'm not very <laughs> versed in those subjects. So it was interesting to learn about this. When it's funny you bring that up is that, I again, I was like, oh, the Odyssey, and that's all fake and not real. And maybe some of the stories about the monsters, but the city of Troy is really, it's Heinrich Scheimann, what was his name? Heinrich Scheimelman, whatever. He was in like- Hammaker Schlemmaker? Hammaker Schlemmer. He actually <laughs> sold uh, stuff on airplanes, indeed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He but had it was those- <laughs> <laughs> Those like uh, sharper image like <laughs> items, but you can only buy them if you're in the air. Right. But it's his fault. Basically, the city of Troy was discovered because we thought it was a fake, you know, this mm -hmm. a famed city. But then you find, OK, it was actually real. Does it mean everything that, you know, that was written about it was real? No. But they really did find the real location. And it's that one guy that finding that city has spurred everybody else to be like, I know for a fact Atlantis is real and I will find it. It's like the Oak Island treasure. It truly is. People really will is. dump their life savings into oh, yes. uh, going on expeditions and quests to find things like this. And like with the Oak Island treasure or what was the older man? that uh, Finn. Uh, Finn, Forrest Finn's treasure. It, there's something really captivating and, and fun and mysterious and chilling and compelling of like a mystery that is to be solved, especially if it's from the past and such a long time ago. And there are so many people that are really like 
that's their thing. They are very into Greek and Roman mythology. They can tell you everything about it and just not even mythology, but actual history. And they will, uh, I mean, sacrifice everything, including their own lives to, to go and try and prove or disprove this. You're right. There's a geophysicist on the one of the National Geographic documentaries. He said, becoming interested in Atlantis is like a bug or an infection or like a gambling addiction. You can become just fixated and obsessed. And I went to the library and I was like, I'm going to get every book on Atlantis, which was like 15 of them. And just to flip through them and kind of just see kind of the different takes. Every one of them has that personal version of like, for me, this was my great one. Like for all. Mm-hmm. All these people, it's like that's their life gets sort of dedicated to it. It's fascinating. Quite, I mean, the subset, it's its own type of kind of fringe society of these or a subculture of people that become borderline obsessed with with these types of mysteries. They're like, take me back into the depths. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, if we found it and it's down there. We gotta go. I mean, also, I think like if a whole like ass city existed down there, somebody's probably already moved moved on in, don't you think? And they 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 know the the right people know (laughs) how to get into Atlantis. It's like an exclusive club. If you're swimming around the ocean and you wish you had a like a stone throne to rest upon, and you come upon this thing. Boom, bam, done. I mean, you've got a whole civilization set up for you. Aliens just move right in. I would watch an HBO multi-season series called Throne of Stones, and I, <laughs> where it's all just about <laughs> the underwater city of Atlantis and the various factions. Game of fighting. Throne of Stones, and yes, it's the Games of Thrones of Stones. infighting of Atlantean aliens <laughs> and the who's going to win, who's going to take it over. We don't know. It hasn't no. been written yet. It hasn't come out. But it Plato, will. we got to resurrect <laughs> Plato to screenwrite this whole thing. Who will finish first, George R. R. Martin or Plato? Probably Plato, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> At this rate, I think it will be Plato. Well, I'm Christy. I'm Heather. And let's get into it. The concept of Atlantis was first introduced around 360 BC by Plato, the revered ancient Greek philosopher. Plato wrote quasi-fictional dialogues in which Socrates, Plato's former teacher, would entertain conversations with other great minds of the time to explore big philosophical questions. Written near the end of Plato's life, the dialogues that first mention Atlantis are called the Timaeus and the Critias. Rather than Socrates, Critias is the one telling the legend, which may not be a legend after all. As Critias tells the older philosopher... Listen, Socrates, to a tale which, though strange, is certainly true, having been attested to by Solon. Solon was an Athenian statesman, constitutional lawmaker, poet, and one of the seven wise men of Greece. Solon had visited Egypt and spoken to wise men in the capital city of Sias. They informed the philosopher that although the Greeks' knowledge was vast, it was incomplete. The Egyptian priest told Solon... There have been and will be again many destructions of mankind arising out of many causes. Some of those causes included fire and water. The fire could even come from the sky, but the priest warned that some would conflate the movement of planetary bodies with actions of the gods. Each time these great destructive events happen, humanity is forced 
to begin again like children and know nothing of what happened in ancient times. Well, yeah, the panic attack that we all have to start (laughs) over again and we don't know anything that came before us. We can't avoid those past mistakes because we don't know what they were. (laughs) Great. One of these ancient stories was the Battle of Atlantis. The priest explained that ancient Athenians, living about 9,000 years before Plato, had battled another civilization, the Empire of Atlantis, called a mighty power. The Atlanteans, unprovoked, made an expedition against the whole of Europe and Asia. They were stopped by the Athenians, whose nation began just beyond what ancients referred to as the Pillars of Hercules, which modern scholars consider to be the Strait of Gibraltar, situated at the southwestern tip of Europe. The priest explained that the island was larger than Libya and Asia put together. Based on geographical naming at the time, scholars believe Libya, in this case, refers to the entire area of North Africa, and Asia referred to the area known then as Asia Minor, and today known as Turkey. Atlantis was a great and wonderful empire which had rule over the whole island and several others including lands that stretched all the way to northern Italy. The priest explained to Salon that the land-hungry Atlanteans then tried overtaking Egypt and Athens, but because your country shone forth, they were unsuccessful. Using that famous Athenian military prowess, Salon's Greek ancestors defeated and triumphed over the invaders. In the wake of destruction, There occurred violent earthquakes and floods, and in a single day and night of misfortune, all your warlike men in a body sank into the earth, and the island of Atlantis, in like manner, disappeared into the depths of the sea. Salin explained the ocean around that area was impassable because there is a shoal of mud in the way caused by the sunken island. Well... This is the setup for what it all was supposed to look like. And it sounds, face value, like a lovely place. Yeah. Was it? Was Mm -hmm. it even real? Was it perhaps not a lovely place and a bunch of uh, war was happening? Yeah. It's interesting contextually that he was writing all this. I, again, like you said, I was not super remembering off the top of my head a lot of like Greek history, but thank you, history.com, for having musical rhyming videos with drawn illustrations. Like I'm a child to help teach me about the Peloponnesian War. But it's interesting now reading this and given that history of the, at the time, you did see a lot of uh, like the Persians were coming to invade the, uh, the Greeks. And then it's like, well, why aren't we going and invading other people? Perhaps he's trying to show when someone like Atlantis tried to invade other people, they got stomped by the Greeks. So saying mm-hmm. maybe, maybe just cool it with the trying to take over other people or it's a real thing that really happened. And he's like, I got to write this down because history will repeat itself. If I don't tell people this is how shit happens. Well, Plato, buddy, you did write it down and I'm sorry, but history has repeated itself time and time again in the forms of imperialism. So you tried to help us all out. But nobody listened. Right? Plato's like, beware the military industrial complex. And then Eisenhower (laughs) said the same thing and no one listened. (laughs) Sinisterhood will be right back. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? 
Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. After Timaeus, Plato reintroduced the concept of Atlantis and Critias and provided additional backstory. In this dialogue, Plato revealed that the gods divided up the world with each area bequeathed to a certain being. Poseidon was given Atlantis, where he met and married a mortal woman named Cleito. Together, they had five pairs of twin boys who grew up to become the Ten Kings of Atlantis. Can we just take a moment and think about Cleito having five sets of twins, and they're all boys, and now you have ten sets of, or ten children to scream at you. This is why it sunk into the ocean. (laughs) She couldn't handle it, and she just, she said, fuck it. And opened up the floodgates. That is too much for anybody. She's like, we're going, we're all going underwater and we can figure out there. Yeah, we're turning this island around. You guys don't know how to behave. (laughs) Don't know how to act. Oh, yeah. Bless her. Bless her heart for having 10 sets of twins. Bless her heart and bless her ancient Greek lady parts. Yes. You know, we all take advantage of modern medicine, but... Back then, it was like, here's a grape leaf. Just bite down. Yeah, and, good luck. You know, good <laughs> luck. Yeah. Godspeed. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, Ugh, that's too many. Within the family history, Plato also provided some geographical dimensions, including an oblong shape in the city's south, measuring 340 miles long and 230 miles wide. Six miles off the coast, Plato wrote about a smaller mountain, in which Poseidon was said to have carved three circular moats separated by rings of land. The concentric islands were connected by a canal that led to the center of the island where the capital city was located. So looking at a picture of this was very interesting because I'm a very visual person, but essentially you've got an island, then around that is a moat, then on the other side of the moat is just, you know, a a ring of land Mm-hmm. And then the ocean, mm-hmm. except the little canal that connects. So you're kind of double protected. You've got a ring of land. Somebody's got to get over that boats. first. Then they got to get into the, get past the moat where who knows what's in there. Then they can get onto your island. He's like, we have one moat, add land, add another moat, add more land, add another boat. <laughs> it's like, how many moats can we have? It's like, the answer is infinite. Infinite moats. We can have infinite moats. But that's a good point because you might put shit in it. And then, uh, you know, if it's a ocean moat, can have sharks in it. And that's even oh, more yeah. badass than a gator moat. Yeah. You think? Would you want You want a gator versus a shark? Gators would be, you could keep them more corralled. Sharks are going to come and go. So I guess it's just depending on what you want. I imagine they weren't keeping the sharks, but who knows? If you're in a moat and you know there's either one gator or one shark in there, which one scares you more? Gator. 
Really? It just came out. <laughs> Mine was shark. Well, yeah. Interesting. I was like, shark, I could punch it in the face. Oh, <laughs> see, sharks, I feel like they're so fast and you don't really know what's happening. Gators, I think, well, but gators like lie in wait. That's what I was like. They'll just be like waiting and then they'll just chomp at you. And they're, I feel like they're smaller so it could maybe move faster. The gators? Yeah, the gators could. Um, uh, On land? Oh, True. okay. We've just introduced can, a new thing. The oh, sharks can't go on land. Yeah, if you could, I have no upper body strength, but if one could pull oneself out of the moat, one could survive. <laughs> <laughs> it would not be me, but I, <laughs> when we were on our family vacation over the summer, I thought Ella was in distress in the hot tub that was connected to the pool, but it was like up a level and I mm-hmm. couldn't see her. Really, she was just like, where I couldn't see her. She wasn't under the water. But in a moment of panic, I was trying to hoist myself out of the pool to run up the stairs to the hot tub. Valiant. And I'm glad she was okay because <laughs> I couldn't do it. I was like, who? And then I was like, oh my God, this is serious. I Then I started to panic. Like, what if something's wrong and I can't get out? I could not hoist myself out of the pool if i can it's only ever like i'm putting a marlin on a boat after catching i sort of just thud over the side like and then try to get on but yeah i'm not climbing straight up out of a moat i never or a pool let's be real here (laughs) let's be real (laughs) well uh let us know uh if you vote gator or shark if you got to be in a moat with one of them which one are you going this also should be a movie starring Samuel L. Jackson. So hopefully that gets written. Described as a utopian paradise, Atlantis was fertile with inhabitants mining a metal called orichalcum, known in ancient texts as being nearly as valuable as gold. Meaning mountain copper in Greek, scholars generally consider it to be a gold copper alloy, a copper zinc alloy, or some metal we no longer know. Access to this precious metal gave the island more value, as did its fertile soil for planting food and the abundance of elephants, which were indigenous to the land. And this second description of it, Plato goes hard in like everyday life. So he's like describing this orichalcum that it sparkled like fire, which is it just like a really shiny metal or is it some metal we've never heard of before? Like, is it just really, really shined up something that we know uh, or mixed with something else? It could be either one. But they said because of that, it was this like they were powerful seafarers, but that they could also carve beautiful statues and they would have like a god on a chariot statue with six winged steeds. And then there would be bull statues because the bull was a cultic symbol. And they, I mean, kind of gave a lot more dimension to like they're eating fruits. They had twice a year harvests and one harvest they used this type of water and another they used this type. So he got down into the specifics, which as we say, when you're performing, specifics really kind of sells it. So I think that's why, you know, he's not just saying, and they had beautiful statues. He's like, they had 100 Nerid statues on dolphins. There was, you know, very specific mm-hmm. descriptions that then saying, my uncle told me this, it comes across as more believable. It's like the campfire story. A friend of a friend told me this. It's just not some random person. Mm-hmm. And the details do sell it. You're You're correct. I think we also have to take a moment that regardless if Atlantis is real or not, statues like that really did exist. And I saw a picture of one earlier. I believe it was somewhere in the Mediterranean. And it was this huge sandstone-like castle, like building. And it had a, a person, like today, standing in the doorway of it. That, I mean, looked like an ant compared to how big this was. And to think of 
a civilization building that without the use of the tools we have today is mind blowing. I can't even conceive it. I just am always like, it must have taken so much longer. (laughs) So much longer. And also, you had some help from some aliens, right? Like, that's (laughs) the only explanation is somebody brought you like magic tools to get all this done. I mean, it's just the pyramids and everything. It's just so impressive that people were able to do things like that with their hands and a few tools. Yeah. And and being able to have, you know, the square cut bricks and then the, we'll talk about it a little bit, but some of the geographical features of some of these buildings that you're like, why don't we build buildings like that now? It takes advantage of natural light and air Mm -hmm. circulation. We should be doing that now. But like they had, they had the right idea thousands and thousands of years ago. My takeaway from all this is just this antiquity and archaeology is so fascinating. And I know the next time I go to the Dallas Museum of Art and just walk through and look at like, this piece was from 15,000 years ago, my socks will be knocked off much, mm-hmm. much more than they ever have been in the in the past, just because of how much time we spent with this. It's incredible. Absolutely. And to that point, I think the reason we don't do things like that anymore is we've gotten dependent and spoiled by modern advancements like central heating and air and things like that would we need to be as dependent on those things that do have you know a a finite they're they're not just uh replenishable forever and always perhaps we need to go back to doing some things the other way maybe we can learn a thing or two from uh the old ancient uh atlanteans Mm mm-hmm The kings of Atlantis, however, were not satisfied with the island's abundance and began to wage war on the other surrounding people. According to Plato's dialogues, this angered the god Zeus, who sought to punish the greedy Atlanteans. The dialogue ends just as Zeus brings the other gods together, and Plato never wrote a follow-up. This abrupt, unfinished end to an incredible story has spurned researchers for centuries to find the ancient lost city once and for all. It is some bullshit when you're like, Zeus brought the gods together at his holy habitat. He brought them at once and spoketh. And that's the end of it. <laughs> dot, dot, dot. And you're like, Literally. what? You're like, wait, Do what? I have to wait for next week to get the rest of this? What's happening? George R.R. Like, Martin, we're all waiting for the ending. <laughs> Damn it. And then he's like, um, I'm done with that story. I don't know what it'll say next. I'll just decide later. And everyone's like, oh, God, it's true. And he's like, oh, no, that was my nonfiction, my, my novel I was working on. <laughs> well, if you don't write an end to it, we're all left to fill in the gaps. And that's where many interpretations come into play. It's giving, like, air. Eric Idle in Flying Circus when he would be like, it's, and then it would cut off and be like, Monty Python's Flying Circus. Mm-hmm. He's like, and Zeus spoke it, it's Monty Python's Flying Circus. <laughs> it wasn't until the 19th century that the idea Atlantis was more than just a fictional place, authored by the famed philosopher, was introduced. Ignatius Donnelly presented this theory in his 1882 book, Atlantis, The Antediluvian World. The writer argued that without the existence of an earlier, more advanced civilization, the development of things such as language and agriculture would not have been possible. Donnelly, who believed the Atlantic Ocean was a mere few hundred feet deep, didn't believe ancient humans would have been able to achieve such accomplishments on their own. Someone, uh, one of these folks that wrote an Atlantis book uh, that's devoted their life to it, 
wrote a whole thing about how Donnelly was kind of a, a politician and mm-hmm. he wasn't like an expert. He wasn't an archaeologist. He was just into Atlantis and was like, oh, I'm going to tell everybody about Atlantis. And I'm like, so what, what, what was your source on that? You just know it. Sometimes you just know. And you're Plato. like, oh, what? Plato was my source. You're like, so you have one, you have one source. But he didn't say any of these things you're saying. You wrote a whole book. He had like a few dialogues. He's like, well, he told me. He, he, I know. Sometimes <laughs> you know. You just know. But that's where a ton of this, you know, people are like, oh, well, extrapolations that have come out are traced back to Donnelly. And Donnelly is traced back to literally just his own brain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Using the location Plato had described, Donnelly believed the city of Atlantis sank into the mid-Atlantic near the Pillars of Hercules, considered to be defined by the Rock of Gibraltar near the entrance to the Mediterranean and Mount Hacho near the coast of Morocco. Researchers in 2009 decided to explore this theory and began looking into the marshlands around Doña Ana Park in Spain as a possible site of Atlantis. Using deep ground radar, digital mapping, and underwater technology, the crew surveyed a site of a sunken city just north of Cadiz, Spain, on the country's southwesternmost coast, across from the Strait of Gibraltar. Richard Frund, professor at the University of Hartford, served as head researcher for the mission. The research was featured in National Geographic's documentary, Finding Atlantis. As I was watching this, Paris walked through and goes, is this from the History Channel? These are all like legitimate scientists. I was like, no, it's Nat Geo. And he's like, oh, that's why. All right. That makes sense. <laughs> just kept okay. walking. That he tracks. Like, yeah. Oh, this is all just like legitimate. It just seems like professors from college telling you really interesting stuff. And he was just like, no, uh, there's no spaceships, no aliens in this. Oh, it must be, uh, must not be history then. <laughs> I saw a very funny meme yesterday that was like, no one. And then it's, you know, the History Channel at midnight. And it's just a picture of, like, an alien holding a baby Bigfoot with, like, some kind of, like, monster in the background. It's like, yeah, History yeah, Channel, just, nobody – Nobody asked You're confusing that. all of this. This is why everyone is like, Atlantis is real. We must find it. It's because you're not disproving it. In fact, you're kind of fanning the flames here. Right. I was like, let's not just – and that's – I have a lot of respect for National Geographic because they do – they follow his research, but at no point they're like, and we've done it. Right, <laughs> like, right, right. It's and it's like, solved. Just no. wipe our hands of it. <laughs> Next story. Sinisterhood, we'll be right back. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Froon hypothesized that a series of what he called memorial cities that had been built in central Spain, bolstered his theory. 
Survivors of the destruction of Atlantis may have moved inland and built the new cities in their fallen empire's image. Fern believed a tsunami wiped out the ancient city, telling NBC News. This is the power of tsunamis. It's just so hard to understand that it can wipe out 60 miles inland, and that's pretty much what we're talking about. And the memorial cities are like mini versions of kind of this description of Atlantis with there's moats around it. And he's like, there's this is kind of like a mini city with a moat and you don't really need a moat, but it looks more ceremonial. So it's an interesting theory that, you know, if you if Texas sunk into the ocean and we moved up to Kansas or whatever, you know, you got to go because the the seawaters have risen. We're like, we're going to build our own trail dust here because we used to have one of those. Like, we're going to have a <laughs> Texas roadhouse. And it's like, well, it's not maybe native to the area, but somebody was displaced and they were building, you know, something that made them feel like a little bit like home. It was a little homey. They put up a Bucky's just so they felt yeah. <laughs> they were a little homesick. Exactly. But I'm not trying to fight a tsunami that goes 60 miles inland. No, tsunamis are, oh, if I'm going to rank natural disasters, I think they're at the top. Gut-wrenching. It really is. The footage of any type of tsunami is so haunting. And the damage that they do is just, oh, God. Yeah. In 2018, a private company called Merlin Burroughs dug into the area and identified 15 other Roman or Greek settlements along the coastline near where the ancient city would have been submerged. One detail that experts at Merlin Burroughs pointed out was a certain patina to the metals that has not been otherwise seen. The company's maritime historian told the Daily Mail, Plato describes in detail a patina on the buildings and structures of the cities and temples making up this complex. We have filmed clear evidence and have collected samples which have been scientifically tested in a lab in Modena, Italy, which is used to test ancient Roman finds. The results of the test prove the age of the finds are older than Roman or Greek and that they were more advanced. For instance, the harbor wall was coated with a chemical compound that seemed intended to prevent barnacle growth, which the crew likened to modern-day Teflon. Nearby sand dunes and an underwater structure that appeared to match Plato's description of a harbor wall further bolstered the company's claims. The crew dug into the soil and used imaging to determine when the area had been inhabited, with the crew concluding, The site is spread over 100 miles from the Atlantic to the Mediterranean. As to age, we've been unable to give a fixed date for the beginning, but its end was the last ice age around 10,000 years ago. That's old. (laughs) It's very old. It's very fascinating, too, that while maybe not Atlantis, it's something. They found something. And it's one of those where you're like, well, did Plato call it Atlantis? Because it was near the Atlantic. And it's just not exactly as wonderful as he described it. But it was there was something there. Or there's just a lot of fucking cities that have sunk because the ocean used to be not as deep. It was more shallow before. For sure. No. And I mean, and things like tsunamis, uh, plate tectonics, just the age of the earth, everything shifts, can get covered by all Mm -hmm. sorts of things. While Atlantis itself may be a story, I certainly think that there are sunken civilizations or cities um, all around the globe. Yeah, and a ton of them have been found. And I think Professor Froon's whole, his whole theory is that Atlantis was not its own special separate thing that Plato created, but in fact, it was a, a name for what was later identified in the Bible and then separately identified in the historical record as Tartossus or Tarshish, which was the this 
beautiful city that was known for mining metal. It was located right in that area. Tartas Tarshish was like where they're digging and that a ton of like it would take three days voyage to get there. And a ton of writing talks about going there to get swords, uh, shields, anything that was made of metal. Like that was the metal working place. So he's like, Plato called it Atlantis. The Bible called it Tartasus or whatever. This other thing called it Tarshish. It was this this civilization here because we're finding this weird metal with this weird uh, coating that we haven't seen. So it stands to reason it became legendary. Everybody went to this one place to get like the dopest swords and then went home and were like, it was called, I don't know, Atlantis or something. You know, like they're just <laughs> fucking up. They're fucking up the details of it. And there's no fact checking. And you're like, right? well, I can't spend months to go myself to find out yeah. what it really was called so i'll take your word for it that's what they're like it took three years to sail there and i was like oh no thank you <laughs> i won't <laughs> be going <laughs> three years and then three years back so you're talking about a six-year round trip be no, back babe you. and then you come back you're like oh no <laughs> things <laughs> changed in the 1930s, Edgar Casey, the so-called sleeping prophet and most documented clairvoyant of the 20th century, made a different proclamation about Atlantis. It was located in the Caribbean. Casey claimed he had spoken with a former inhabitant of Atlantis, who gave the location as near Bimini in the Bahamas. In 1968, a group of three divers off the coast of North Bimini discovered something strange, less than 20 feet deep. There were apparently man-made limestone rocks placed in even intervals along the seabed. Believers of Casey's prophecies called this the road to Atlantis. This is another documentary in which people have dedicated their lives. And I, it was very reminiscent of Oak Island when I was watching it of just how passionate these explorers are in going down there and how how much they want it to be something that they're kind of willing to overlook evidence that is contrary to what they want the outcome to be. That's my number one issue with anybody who's the Atlantis hunter going, well, it, you know, the theory, the, the legend doesn't fit my theory for this reason. So I'm going to ignore that, but mm -hmm. it does fit for these reasons. And those reasons why it fits are so legit. I'm like, well, then how can you discount the one thing that, you know, like, yeah, it's very cherry pick, but like, it's just, they're, they're blinded by passion. It seems like obsession. Well, truly. And if you've dumped all your money and life into this, I mean, you want it to have a good payoff, I imagine. Not financially, just like a rewarding, like, oh, I'm I'm right. I found it. You know, that the thrill of that. I think that does lend itself sometimes to being biased, though. Yeah, in your you don't research. want to be embarrassed. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> in 2022, best-selling author and researcher Graham Hancock explored Bimini Road on his Netflix series, Ancient Apocalypse. Hancock calls the underwater rocks a well-organized row of megaliths and insists they are not naturally occurring formations. Hancock enlisted the help of marine investigator Kyle Default, who proclaimed regarding the geological formation. Somebody put it there. Atlantis enthusiasts have claimed that the rocks were sitting atop a more complex formation that had sunken into the seabed. Now, Graham Hancock I was trying to describe him to a friend of mine, and I was like, he kind of looks like the man behind the curtain on, like the wizard on The Wizard of Oz. He's a slight <laughs> gentleman with little round glasses. You, if you listen to Joe Rogan, he's on there quite a lot. So that should tell you about his level of credentials and expertise. <laughs> 
And the best part is at the very beginning, he has such a chip on his shoulder. He's like, if you Google me, you'll find references to pseudo-researcher or pseudo-archaeologist. I'm no more a pseudo-researcher than a dolphin is a pseudo-fish. Damn. And then we were like, dolphins are mammals. So, yeah. um, <laughs> wrong metaphor, bud. <laughs> but then he was like, but eyes, because I'm an investigative reporter. I was like, oh, okay. So I guess you're trying to say you're something totally different. But you just said, I'm no more that than a dolphin is a pseudo mm-hmm. fish, and it isn't. And then it was silent on the show for like a long time <laughs> to where Paris and I were like, is that it? Was that what he, what's he talking about? <laughs> yeah, you're like, bud, you just, I think you just, um, you're arguing for the other side yeah. now. <laughs> You're just yelling right now about wrong stuff. But it's interesting because you can see the presentation of information versus watching something by, like, say, National Geographic or, like, a legitimate scientific organization. It, the amount of times I have in my handwritten notes, the amount of times he says, human-made, man-made megaliths, these man-made rocks, man-made formations, man-made, man-made. And you're like, you and your buddy on the boat are just saying that. It doesn't mean that it's true. Right. No, and I mean, that can be a bit dangerous if you are spewing this as 100% fact, and then people watch it, and that's the only information they have. They do no other research, and then they start to perpetuate that same myth. Yes. Uh, yeah, it's totally man-made. It's man. It's down there. It's the top of a city. If we just dug, if we just got an underwater excavator down there and dug, we're going to find the entire buildings right beneath the surface. Yeah, you have people believe, holding on. You're right and going, he's not even a fish. He's a fucking dolphin. He knows. He <laughs> knows. But yeah, it's uh, they need to spend a little bit more time on that. And anyway, this is just a theory. Yeah, yeah. I think it also gives you more credibility if you're willing to entertain that you could be wrong or that there's another side of the coin. If you're staunchly 100%, I am right, everyone else is wrong. Well, to me, I'm going to kind of like not listen to you with this. It's going to be a grain of salt. Yeah, I mean, and that's what I get with, if you type in Atlantis too, like a bunch of YouTube clips are people on the Joe Rogan show and then watching them with no, he's always like, I'm just asking questions. No, you aren't. He just mouth open was like, whoa, wow, whoa. The whole time that people show him these things versus going, oh, okay. And you know, have you had archaeologists go down and look for certain signs of uh, civilization? No, that's, that would be asking the questions. Or I don't know, the billion dollar technology we have to yeah. look at the ocean floor and sonars and mapping. And yeah. if there was a landmass the size of Asia and Libya combined, I think it was going to show up on something. We would have, if we didn't see it, Victor Vescova would have when he was down there in Surely. His, his, his ship. Now a popular diving destination. The structure is widely considered by geologists to be naturally occurring. Investigations of the rocks show they lie on the seabed itself and were not placed there by any outside forces. Tools and markings that would indicate an ancient civilization have been notably absent, leading geologists to conclude the shaping of the rocks occurred through erosion. And that's just it. If there had been a whole civilization down there, something would have a piece of pottery, a tool, a sculpture, something, remnants of something besides just sea stuff. It's just ocean stuff down there. Unless it was buried or the tides had carried it away, but you would think that you'd find something. Yes. Again, it's like the Oak Island. Like they find one tiny piece of silver in a marsh and they're like, this is proof. We we got to dig here more. And it's like, well, but what else could have possibly brought that here 
over the years. And they're like, la, 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 I'm not listening. I'm not listening. <laughs> yeah. Something, somebody put that down there. Yeah, God, or whatever you believe is the formation of the earth. It was not a, you know, oh, I'm Poseidon. Maybe it was, and I sound like an idiot. Well, <laughs> when they uncover this audio recording in 15,000 years, they're going to be like, you dumb bitch. You're going to the whole time. What a fool. You're going to have to issue a lot of apologies. <laughs> During the 1960s and 70s, Antarctica became a contender as the possible original site of Atlantis. Author Charles Hapgood, who penned his book Earth's Shifting Crust in 1958, wrote that Antarctica was once Atlantis. According to Hapgood, 12,000 years ago, the Earth's crust shifted, causing a huge landmass, presumably Atlantis, to shift much farther north. Unable to survive the new frigid temperatures, Hapgood theorized the Atlanteans perished and their once beautiful city became covered in ice. Modern science's understanding of plate tectonics has largely debunked this theory. Yeah, Hapgood was like, and by the way, the South Pole wasn't all the way at the bottom like it was. It was over where Atlantis was. And then when the earth cracked, that shit slid away. Like it looked like a uh, canoe that got loose on a river. Like <laughs> it's like it doesn't move that big. Like Antarctica can't move that fast. That's no, not how it works. It's, it's not, just, not it a, a chunk of ice in the, the ocean that breaks off from a iceberg and just kind of drifts away. Like so it's it's heavy. Yeah, they're like, the shit cracked and it flew down to the south. But they can figure out, based on the mapping of the magnetic, the different levels of magnetism, that the South Pole did not shift uh, as far as this man has said. I mean, there it's always sort of shifting, but it didn't crack off like a cartoon and sail away. Mm-hmm. Sail away. That's what that Enya song was about. That was, was about, was about Atlantis. Antarctica becoming, or Atlantis, rather, becoming Antarctica. I will say, though. When I looked up the Yeti crabs, turns out there's a lot of them in Antarctica. That's where so, Yeti is, so it stands so, to reason. Yeah, maybe so. Or there's an underwater heat vent going on over there because the uh, Atlanteans are, they got something. I don't know. They're cooking something down there. And all the little Yeti crabs are by that vent just eating it all up. They're down under. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's like uh, rats in New York running around the sewer, but it's Yeti crabs <laughs> running around like trying to get a slice of pizza from the Atlanteans. <laughs> Over 4,000 years ago, a great civilization prospered on the Greek islands of Crete in modern-day Santorini. Under the leadership of King Minos, the Minoans were the first Europeans to use written language, according to History.com. The ancient ruins of an enormous palace with gypsum walls were unearthed on the island, leading some to speculate that this was the place Plato had been describing. A 13-story palace with miles of passageways and terraces erected atop a flattened hill was far more advanced than anything built in Greece. Advanced mathematics allowed for the manipulation of natural light and airflow in the enormous structure. Despite these advances, the Minoans vanished. Historians believe a great volcano erupted after a devastating earthquake around 1600 BC, which flattened the once shining city. Because of its location, features, and sudden destruction, some scholars believe this was actually the site of Atlantis. And that's the arguments. Culturally, it fits, you know, the descriptions of pottery, frescoes, written documents, trading with Egypt. They had these uh, bull frescoes. So, like, the bull was also a symbol of, you know, power and whatever, mm-hmm. and they, they worshipped it. 
Um, and the palace, this palace is crazy yeah. big. Yeah. That's what it's, it's, it's amazing that these things have been erected. I mean, I don't think anything today with the technology we have would come close to being as beautiful and awe-inspiring as these places were. And perhaps it is because it's so long ago that that's, you know, it's even more impressive, but it's, they're crazy big. The cities are crazy big. Yeah, it's a great palace of Canossas. I want to go see it. Like, I, it's funny because I'll be Googling stuff. It'll be like Straits to Gibraltar and it's TripAdvisor. And I'm like, I could go to the Straits of Gibraltar. Like, I could go to this because <laughs> I was like, the great palace of Canossas. And it was like, TripAdvisor, what you need to know before you go. I was like, maybe I will go. But it's just so uh, awe-inspiring, I think, like you said, because of the age and the mass of it to walk through it. The argument against it, of course, is that Plato says it vanished in a day and a night and Crete suffered, you know, the Santorini volcano blasted, it causes, or the earthquake causes this volcano blast. And then part of it is destroyed. And then a little next part is destroyed and the next part is destroyed. So the civilization eventually vanished. It's not quite as abrupt as a single day and a single night, like Plato said. So that part doesn't really fit. Perhaps that was embellishment for the sake of storytelling. Well, God damn it, Plato, now we don't know what you embellished and what was the truth. (laughs) He was like, it wasn't bulls. Okay, it was cows. It's like, okay, well, now I'm getting confused. (laughs) Sinisterhood, we'll be right back. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Retired Navy officer and underwater explorer Robert Ballard does not subscribe to this particular theory citing the fact that the timeline in Plato's story does not coincide with when the actual Santorini was destroyed. Ballard, who discovered the Titanic wreckage in 1985, also noted to National Geographic that no Nobel laureates have ever said that Atlantis was a real place. According to Plato, Atlantis existed 9,000 years before his own lifetime, and while he claimed the story had been passed down over generations from poets and priests, this has never been confirmable. The only known writings of the mysterious utopian city have all come from Plato himself. Today, it is widely accepted amongst historians and scholars that Plato created the story of Atlantis as a way to spread his philosophical theories to the masses. Considered to be an idealized version of Athens, the story of Atlantis illustrates the dangers of imperialism. Professor of Archaeology Ken Fetter explains in his book, Encyclopedia of Dubious Archaeology, that the mythical city wasn't the utopian society it has been made out to be over time. Atlantis is not a place to be honored or emulated at all. Atlantis is not the perfect society. Quite the contrary, 
Atlantis is the embodiment of a materially wealthy, technologically advanced, and militarily powerful nation that has become corrupted by its wealth, sophistication, and might. In Plato's story, what began as a utopian paradise devolved into ruins at the hands of the Atlantean leaders. Filled with greed, pettiness, and an insatiable hunger to conquer, the gods sent a message to the people of Atlantis in the way of fire and earthquakes. James Rom, professor of classics at Bard College in New York, shared his thoughts on the legend with National Geographic. It's a story that captures the imagination. It's a great myth. It has a lot of elements that people love to fantasize about. Rom explained that Plato was dealing with a number of issues and themes that run throughout his work. His ideas about divine versus human nature, ideal societies, the gradual corruption of human society. These ideas are all found in many of his works. Atlantis was a different vehicle to get at some of his favorite themes. So Fetter basically says the story is less about Atlantis and more about the city of Athens and mm-hmm. and what c- can happen. Like we, any, I don't want to equate this to an urban legend, but you know, like stories like this, parables that teach us a lesson. An and allegory, yeah. this was something that was uh, going on at the time that would have been timely, is still timely. But perhaps it was more of, like you said, an allegory to explain something in a more poetic way and, and, you know, with some flourish to it that might resonate with people more than just barking things at them. True. You're right. Yeah. Instead of going like, uh, we're going to ruin our society for the following ways. I'm going to tell you all how you should live your lives. You're right. He may have, uh, and you don't know if the the leader of where you're at is wanting to have a lot of war and you want to come out with a whole long treatise that like war is bad. It's much easier to be like, um, I heard from a guy, a really cool story. You want to hear about it? And people are <laughs> like, Hey, that sounds like us. And you're like, does it? Oh, hmm. Maybe strange. just something to think about. Uh, it's like Arlen, Texas. It's like not a real place. It's based on a place, but you can't go to Arlen, Texas because Mike Judge created King of the Hill and he used some composites of Dallas area things to build something that he can then use in storytelling. So it's like maybe it was at Atlantis, Athens, you know, similarly named just to be able to shoehorn his ideas mm-hmm. in there. Ignatius Donnelly, described by author Mark Adams as the first great Atlantis fundamentalist predicted that museums around the world would one day be filled with artifacts from the sunken city. To date, there has been no evidence that proves the existence of Atlantis. Mark Adams isn't surprised by this, saying in an interview with Live Science, Donnelly was a bag of winds. He knew the results he wanted and rummaged through his sources, searching for only those facts that fit his needs without pausing to note any reasonable doubts. I'm going to start calling people a bag of winds. Fucking bag of winds. How funny is that? Not just a bag of wind. He's a bag of winds. He's got so much wind from all over the place. (laughs) It's it's, multiple winds came together in this bag. But he was right. And like we were saying, even with more modern day explorers, you can't just present the facts that fit your side of the argument. A good journalist or researcher is going to present a well-rounded view And let the audience decide for themselves what they think based on X, Y, Z. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And saying, I'm here, my hypothesis is is that it's Atlantis. I'm here to do my tests, and then the results are what they are. Not, uh, I've decided that the result is that it's Atlantis, and we're just going to backfill to get there. It's Mm -hmm. like, well, then I don't respect your work. (laughs) 
No, it would be like in a crime investigation where yeah. police have already decided they got their suspect and they're going to shoehorn all the evidence to make it fit that story. Exactly. I follow the scientific method that my teachers taught me in grade school. <laughs> Which is like, what? Where it's like hypothesis. You have to come up with an idea and then a hypothesis and then you test and then you can assess your testing and retest if you need to. And then you come to a conclusion. Mm-hmm. You can't just, like I said, have a conclusion and be like, anyway, I made up the rest of this or else you will find yourself a real bag of wins. <laughs> Indeed, it is inconceivable that a landmass the size of Libya and Asia combined would not have been picked up by the high-tech sonar and mapping equipment of today. Still, that hasn't deterred adventurous explorers from continuing to search. People have lost their fortunes and, in some tragic cases, their lives, scouring the ocean floor, hoping for proof positive of the sunken civilization. So what do we think? Well, you're not wrong. If you throw a dart at a map, somebody said Atlantis was there all anywhere. It could be this, someone's chosen it. And so far, none of the ones that anyone's chosen has fit the very uh, exact descriptions. There's either, you know, physically it could be location wise, but there's not evidence that anyone stayed there. So I'm all for people continuing to search for Atlantis because I think it was, um, the Greek Institute of Oceanography, the fellow that runs that, was talking about some of the the dives that they were doing, again, trying to find it. And he was like, Atlantis was a myth, but it keeps underwater exploration going. And yeah. with less of 1% of the ocean's floors not being surveyed, finding anything that is of antiquity down below, even if we go, oh, this isn't Atlantis, it's this other ancient society we either never heard of or thought didn't exist – if people are for some reason this myth like gets them gets their engines running, I've got no problem with it. I have a problem when you lie and you say, "Oh, well, it's definitely this for these reasons," and ignore all these inconvenient truths. But if it's spurring on genuine archaeological and geological research, I'm all for it. I think the problem you get into is the pseudo archaeology and the history channelification of information and facts that becomes dangerous. And like you said, where there isn't a clear delineation between. We're hypothesizing, speculating for fun, and here's the real answer there at the end. Let's not leave on a note of, I have just lied to you. <laughs> like about- I now think the Megalodon yes. has returned, and I'm Thanks telling people at a work lunch. <laughs> I am a professional, and I look like an <laughs> idiot. But for real, I think there is something, and it is a frightening because I think pseudo, it's not, I don't think, but it is pseudo-archaeology and this interest in these alternative things is on the rise, which I think is it's great for us because we're into it. We love to research stuff, and we love to bring in, I think, the scientific, smarter people than us, you know, National Geographic or physicists, geophysicists, to quote them on the show, where the danger is, is when you have, and I watched, not to harp on him anymore, but this whole interview on Joe Rogan with, um, I can't recall the guy's name, but he was talking about the reshot structure, which is this area in Mauritania that's kind of this like eroded circular spot. And it has been like real geologists, real archaeologists have gone out there and been like, nobody ever lived here. We can see from actual, that people were here and they used it as a stone creation area. They used it for short-term hunting. But the Atlantis things you're saying would have to be supported by these five factors that aren't present. And you have someone on a huge, huge platform ignoring that. And not just, oh, well, we should go over there and look up the reshot structure, going, 
knowing that people have already looked into it and specifically failing, like lying by omission essentially on stuff like that. I think that's the danger because 99% of people that are going to listen to that aren't going to go home and Google that. They're going to just go like, oh, I heard a gun on a podcast say this. And you're like, mm-hmm. okay, well, it's actually not true. Not quite. And Joe Rogan's like, everything lines up. Everything here lines up. And like, no, it doesn't. It just doesn't. It does if you discount all yeah. of the other actual research, which is what so many of these uh, said, and Ken Fetters said too, is the only way Donnelly could be correct is if you just say Plato's whole story never existed because none of it matches up. No. So, like, he just basically came up with something on his own, but none of it matches. You can't just decide, well, I'm going to go against all of these experts. And even though I'm not really, this isn't my field of expertise, except I just kind of am really into it. And I've read a lot of books on this, (laughs) but now here is fact. And yeah, you go on the most popular podcast in the world and start spewing all this information. Does it get people excited in the ocean? And maybe they go down there and they find other stuff. Sure. That's cool. I agree with like, if it spurs interest in oceanic exploration, which can lead to other findings or just, uh, you know, you, you find what you're passionate about by kind of a, a roundabout way. That's awesome. I would hate for people to think based on like misinformation, this is exactly where it is. And I'm going to dump all of my life savings and risk my life to go down there and, and try to find something which isn't going to be there, that is, that is harmful. And personally, do I think actual Atlantis of, of the one Plato speaks of or wrote about exists? Probably not. I think it was more of an allegory and a story to just, I mean, he was a philosopher and that's, he, that's what he did. He wrote to his philosophies to share them and they were, you know, presented in a way of like a dialogue and stuff. What would make this any different? Except for the fact that the story wasn't finished, which leads to mystery. And it's a very fantastical and magical thing to imagine happening to go out on this literal like treasure hunt to try and find something. I think that there are and there they've proven there's like sunken cities that have been overtaken by stuff everywhere. But for this specific Atlantis that Plato wrote about, I think it was a story, but I think I hope from looking maybe from that, we find other things that we wouldn't have otherwise. No, that's a good way to put it. Cause I, I would hate for people to just go, Oh, well, you know, all these archeologists down in the ocean are just making stuff up. No, no, no. Like that's the great thing. I think about the pop culture presentation of actual scientific information, which would be like on a national geographic where they do show the Pavlo Petri, which is off the coast of Greece, kind of the other way of uh, the Spain area, you know, but where they, they found a whole ass sunken city. It's like a 30,000 square meter like area. They've, fully mapped it with all these things. It's just not Atlantis. It's just a sunken city that absolutely was there. And they can show how kind of like what happened to it, when it happened, all that stuff. But you just don't also then go like, you notice that the real scientists are like, no, no, it's called Pablo Petri. It's its own thing. It's not Mm -hmm. Atlantis. (laughs) Like, or the Spartel off the coast of Morocco. They're like, there was this Island off the coast of Morocco and you get really excited. So what you do is you send rovers down there and go, Oh, there is no evidence that humans were ever here. Absolutely. There's a sunken Island. Definitely the oceans have risen 
they're going to be more sunken shit. And the one thing that really gets me about all of these Atlantis things is at the end, they're like, sort of like now where rising temperatures and rising sea levels are going to drown America. And I was like, okay, well, I knew that, but she didn't have cool, to remind cool, cool, me. Cool, 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 cool. <laughs> cool, mm-hmm. cool, cool. But no, I think that's a good way of thinking about it. It's an allegory of, and that's one of the, the people in one of these books was, you know, Atlantis is kind of everywhere. It's the idea that it, it's a, it could be anybody, it could have been any of our civilizations that were destroyed because of focusing on the wrong things, focusing too much on conquering and military and money, you're bound to be destroyed, whether that is a real, real place that really happened or didn't. The real answer, I think, though, was I rented this book that was from 1969 from the library called Atlantis, the truth behind the legend. And I wasn't, uh, I was going to flip to the epilogue to kind of see, you know, cut to the chase. Somebody that rented the book before me took a ballpoint pen. Hell yeah. And wrote (laughs) their own. Nope. It was worse than notes. They wrote their own epilogue. I'm going to show it to you. (gasps) In a library book? I mean, I guess library books perhaps were once someone's personal book. Nope. This was from the library. I don't know if you can see. It's, let me take it back near my head. Every single, this is all handwritten and this is all handwritten. a lot. That's a manifesto. (laughs) It's a manifesto in the back of this. It does, the yada yada, I read this last night. The yada yada is basically they're religious and they think that it's a myth and that actually the real answer was kind of in the Bible. But at the end of uh, (laughs) one of these, they say, this is a classic example of the statement what is history but a lie and the future but a dream? Is that an original quote? I don't know, but. What is history but a lie? Well, not all of it. And what is the future but a dream? That's what they say. I mean, yeah, it hasn't happened yet, so I suppose. But uh, I feel like that there's a lot of holes in that quote to sum yeah. up the entire uh, idea of Atlantis. Sinisterhood, we'll be right back. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. He said, this all goes to show the story is mere bullshit, a myth story of national glorification common among patriot fanatics. It was oh, Plato. Oh, took a turn. <laughs> it was, okay, here it is. <laughs> it was Plato or someone like him, perhaps the philosopher Diogenes, who said that he thanked God every day that he had been born a male, a, hum- a human, a male, and a Greek. Talk about ego. Ha, ha, ha. That's what that's what okay. Here's what you got to do you have to reply to this person's <laughs> oh. with your own epilogue and then put it back on the shelf, 
and you know, just like that movie with John Cusack, if if they find it again and then they find you, there it was serendipity. I said it's your move. I might ask the librarian, can you tell me when the last time this was checked out? But does it not have in the front those stamps anymore? Um, it has everything stamps digitally now, isn't it? It is. This book is from 1969, so it's real. So it does have some of those stamps on the front. Nice. It has some stamps on the front where it has been, but they've kind of been ripped off, and it is. Oh, I mean inside where no, they, they took stamp them off. It. There's just yeah, like this okay. magnet sticker in the back, so they do it like by magnet. But um, my remember only though concern, when you would check things out, oh, and yeah. especially at your school library, mm-hmm. and you had to write your name on that thing so you could tell like what friend had checked it out last. I'm like, I see you. I see you reading this book, Marilla. I'm going to read it next. That's my great school friend. But it was like, uh, I wish that it said that their name and address so I can call this person and be like, you want to tell me about Atlantis? But they told me everything I need to know. I don't have to call them because it is merely bullshit by some patriots. They wrote a four-page manifesto in the back to tell you the truth. Listen, we deal in subject matter that attracts impassioned individuals, so it stands (laughs) to reason that any number of these used books I get a hold of, there's going to be an impassioned treatise in the back that's like (laughs) a long-ass treaty. I don't know. Another woman, another one of the books, she thinks it was Aliens. She really hid the lead until about the last page that she was like, and the extraterrestrials is what that they gave them the ability to sink down into the ocean. And then when we are all ready and we prove to the extraterrestrials that we're ready to receive them, Atlantis will be brought up from the waters. Okay. Well, there's a, there's some problems with that because if it's going to come back up, it's going to displace all the water that was above it. And then that's going to flood all of our current shit. Yeah, I think um right, that's how it works, doesn't she it? Didn't think it? She didn't think it all the way through. Would that happen? It would, I think so. It? Just it would wouldn't it? It's like thinking about getting out of a bathtub yeah, the that's water what I'm would thinking. lower. Like you would get up out the bathtub so the water level goes down. So in fact, maybe we do need to bring Atlantis up because the displacement of water would bring the water levels down and right okay. now the rising oceans. So sounds like Yeah, I surely, guess you're right. Surely Andrews with what appears to be a selfie on the back of this book. I think it's self-published. But <laughs> the very last page, she was like, they benefited from help from celestial visitors. I was like, there it is. There, there it is. Was. She was hiding it in the back. What? So my thing is, I think you're right. I think it is Atlantis is everywhere that it could, this myth could apply to so many different places that have been sunk under the water. I don't think it is a place to find. It is a story to listen to so mm-hmm. that we don't end up like them. And yes. uh but you know what? Look for it because we need to we need to map that whole seabed. But safely. I know less than 1% of the seabeds. God damn. And it's only 50% of coastal waters. But Seabed 2030 is a an initiative that it's a global initiative for the relentless pursuit of achieving a complete map of the ocean floor by 2030. So wow. 2023, we have seven more years. Get them robots out there, guys. <laughs> that is considering... We've only done less than 1%. And then in yeah. seven years, we're trying to do 100%. That's a yeah. lofty That's a lofty uh, thing we're trying to achieve. The robots are fast. We'll turn them They're up fast. one and a half times speed. <laughs> now, take pictures quick. what are we going to do when we find out what's down there? That's the real question. That's the real problem. But that is a question for another day. Oh, man. Seven years from now. We'll do a follow-up seven years from now when Ocean, what was it called? Seabed 2030. Seabed 2030 is uh, finished. We'll update everybody on what they found. Atlantis is a farts 
a farce, which is a what farts? this man he wrote farts, F A R T Z. Atlantis is a farts. <laughs> And a Who, bullshit- the person that wrote the manifesto? Yeah, yeah. yeah, the manifesto guy said Atlantis was a F-A-R-T-Z of farts. <laughs> um, I don't know if it was on purpose, but we've decided Atlantis may be a farts, but the exploration of the ocean is a noble endeavor, and we should all I, undertake I it. I agree. I agree. I look forward antiquity. to what we, are fi- we find down there. I also fear it a bit, but kind of in an exciting way. Yeah, I'm stoked. As long as uh, I'll, if once we find it, I'm going to watch the Nat Geo documentary on it and not <laughs> the History Channel. Not the so History that, Channel. I uh, will get real information. <laughs> the History Channel is where it would just have the show Atlantis colon farts. <laughs> yes, a, tr- a whole farts. And it's hosted by the guy up the street who rented this book before me. <laughs> Well, if you like our free episodes, you'll love our Patreon bonus content. You can join for free to see what we're up to next or dive into over 500 hours of content. We recently put up our mini-sode on the harrowing and heroic story of Margie Palm, who escaped a serial killer. She was being held hostage in her own car for hours, and it's quite a tale. It's a harrowing tale. We also have bonus content. If you're not familiar with that, we just recently released Judge Christie, where Christie rules on grievances. We had three listeners send them in. And this one included photographic evidence of some really kind of obscene-looking cake pops. So (laughs) head over to our Patreon and check out uh, not only the Judge Christie episode, but then you also get to review the evidence as well and weigh in. Yes, you can also review me seeing Heather's costume at the <laughs> monthly Q&A for the first time she got that on film and I <laughs> was there for it and I still laughed very hard <laughs> watching it back it was a uh, I forgot how hard I made you laugh slash also freaked you out with how horrible I looked at my costume so <laughs> no, sorry about that <laughs> it's fantastic it was great I can't wait for you. Speaking of which, happy Halloween. Oh, yeah. We're recording this on happy Halloween. Yes. On uh, Halloween. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween to you and happy Halloween to all of our listeners. And for listeners that have recently signed up for our Patreon, stick around after our sign-offs to hear your shout-out. Head to Sinisterhood.com and click shop on the top banner to check out Sinisterhood merch like t-shirts, mugs, totes, stickers, and even clothes for your kiddos. The temperature has dropped and it is cold enough to cut glass with your nipples here in Texas. So (laughs) get a Sinisterhood hoodie or crew neck, super soft material on both to keep you cozy and warm. You got to get that crew neck, that beanie. I'm Mm going to get all of it. It is cold and I'm loving it. I'm ready. I love it. That's not it. That's not the Donald's thing. <laughs> We're going to be like, it. Sinister Hood merch. I'm loving it. And they're like, you've received a cease and desist from McDonald's. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, I'll never say it again. If you give me nuggets for the rest of my life. I'm willing to settle for unlimited Egg McCash Browns. Mm-hmm. Well, while you're at SinisterHood.com, you can also review the show, follow us on socials, and check out the episode descriptions of our shows for more fun like topic-based playlist and links to live show tickets. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter slash X at Sinisterhood Pod. Like us on Facebook at Sinisterhood. Head over to YouTube and TikTok at Sinisterhood Podcast to watch videos both long and short. And head over to Cameo where you can get a custom video shout out from us. You can have us say happy anniversary, happy birthday, uh, upcoming, you know, hey, you're not invited to Thanksgiving, bad news. (laughs) Whatever you want us to deliver, we can do it. Just let us know on Cameo.com and search Sinisterhood. Where are you at online? I'm on Instagram at Christy M. Wallace and TikTok at Christy or GTFO. Heather? 
I'm online at Heather versus the world. As always, the devil rules the airwaves. Keep it creepy. Happy Halloween. <laughs>